0: We'll try this whole thing with, um, we're going to charge you a tax on your workers up in Seattle with Amazon or whatever. if you're
1: a big company, there's an extra surcharge.
0: And Amazon kind of made noises like, well, then we'll just leave. And then they said, never mind then.
1: (laughs) With their tails between their legs, they overturned their own law within, what was it, 10 days?
0: So they tried to uh, get that going in San Francisco, or they're trying to get that going in San Francisco. The difference being the biggest employer in San Francisco is Salesforce. And the guy who runs Salesforce is saying, yeah, I agree. Well, then do we, it we have, voluntarily. We have a special obligation as a big company, but the uh, guy who runs Twitter does not agree. and says, eh So you got a billionaire fight going on over whether or not that's a good um, measure.
1: Well, Salesforce, dude, go ahead and write those checks then. Nobody is stopping you. Are well, they publicly right, held?
0: Right, but he, he, he feels like all the big companies have an obligation to pitch in.
1: Right. So, hey, what's his name again? I don't I don't follow the CEO thing much. Benioff? Oh, yeah, Mr. Benioff. I tell you what, how about instead of demanding that the government's guns be pointed at people who see the world differently than you, how about you just go ahead and write those checks? Go ahead. You'd be widely admired for that. It'd be fabulous. Go mm. right ahead. Interesting. All right, so uh, speaking of issues political, uh, <laughs> what a pleasure it is to welcome back to the Armstrong and Getty Show Gary Dietrich, a now nonpartisan political analyst and founder of Citizen Voice, citizenvoice.org, which is a great website that has nonpartisan you know descriptions of issues and interviews with candidates and all sorts of good stuff. Gary, how are you, sir? Good morning, gentlemen. How's it going? Well, I saw
0: you on TV the other day. We are doing our show, and you were on the TV interviewing Scaramucci, who's got a book out. <laughs> what is, what is oh, the mooch? What's the mooch like when the cameras aren't rolling?
2: That was not me, my friend. There was it wasn't? It, no, no, no. I, I I, am on a new TV home, though, uh, here in Northern California, uh, two of them over at uh, CBS 13. But that was not me that interviewing was not the mood, so it must so, have been a Gary Dietrich uh, facade, a look-alike, a Halloween mask. That's
0: interesting. Maybe it's just because all you of your age TV guys look exactly the same. Wow. Well, thank you
2: for that, Jack. Well, I'm, that's, I'm that's, thinking about going the bald hey, look, but you've already got that white. No, so. it's it's a
0: compliment. You have to have a certain... Um, like, I could be in a soap opera, handsomeness, a little gray, so people take you seriously. I
1: thought it was you with the mooch, wasn't Gary, it? Gary, Gary, two words. Handlebar mustache.
2: <laughs> you got you to gotta have a brand, Gary, a brand. I'll keep, I'll keep that in mind. Guys, as you all know, my brand has been, has over many, many years, simply trying to be a genuine, nonpartisan truth-teller. You know that. Yeah, right.
1: absolutely, and we respect you for that. Hey, I got to start with the
0: gas one. How did they get away with writing, writing the gas prop in such a way that nobody knows that it's about repealing the gas tax?
2: Well, you know, that's always, you guys know that in California, how you actually title and ballot summary of these things really can be huge. And there's been, there's been major court battles over just that, over on many of these propositions. And so here's another example, Joe. You know, it's written by the attorney general's office. And so many people, you know, believe that when that, when that office is inhabited by somebody whose party is not in favor of your particular proposition, you get the short end of the stick.
1: Wow. So there's no. Is there a, a measure to appeal the wording of your proposition or an independent board or anything like that? Yeah, or is it just the sex go, state? You
2: can not go back and attempt to do that, Joe. Sometimes it's successful, most of the time, not. Um, first, you know, you, there's sort of a process. You go to the attorney general and say, This really sucks. I don't like the way you guys have characterized this. You know, but most of the time, you don't get big changes. That's just the way the game's played. Right. But, but it's
0: clear to everyone, right, that they wrote that in such a way. That people who aren't paying attention don't know that's about repealing the gas tax.
2: Yeah, there's several. I think I've noted this guys on this particular election cycle for some reason more than others. Where I think the ballot measures in some ways are more confusing than they often are uh, at other times. But this was going to be the big Kahuna. I mean, you know, Prop Six was supposed to be the massive turnout machine for Republicans because it was going to repeal five billion dollars annually in taxes. That's a lot of that's a lot of denial. But the thing about it is, honestly. You know, I think the air went out of that balloon when national politics, Trump, Kavanaugh, etc., really became the the driver, I think, in even even our California elections.
1: So, Prop 6 is described as eliminate certain road repair and transportation funding, requires certain fuel taxes and vehicle fees be approved by the electorate, initiative constitutional amendment. Um that is the repeal of the gas tax. Do we know how it's polling?
2: Yeah, well, actually it started out you know, doing just barely over dead evening, Joe, but the, the no side has been so, I mean, excuse me, the yes side has been so outspent by the no side. I mean, the construction and trade unions, you know, naturally part of the the road building process, even the California Chamber of Commerce it has so outspent it. Uh, and we know fairly effective ads. The problem with the the, the answer to your question, sure, Joe, it's starting, to, it's starting to look not good for its passage. It's yeah, so unbelievable. I and-
1: keep seeing this ad over and over again with this. Nice, Hispanic-looking fireman who's so sad he looks on the verge of tears that we're going to not repair the roads and people will die because he can't get to them soon enough. It's really just unbelievable. It's,
0: It's maddening because it was so duplicitous from the beginning. The biggest gas tax in the history of the country in one big chunk, and they had it show up. Right when the summer blend comes in, so the prices go down, so people wouldn't notice it right away. So it would be already happening before you had a chance to notice it. I mean, it's it was it's so maddening that they got away with that.
2: Well, the other thing about it, guys, is you know when you can tax measures never do well when they're too generic. In other words, here tax yourself for well, we're not exactly sure what. Yeah, we're going to figure out the projects. The thing about this one is there were already a lot of transportation measures, local and state in the pipeline. And so they can list, if you notice when you get the mail or something, there's a real capability to say this, 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 and this road are not going to be fixed. And when you specify where people's funding is going, they're, you know naturally, they're almost always more inclined to say, oh, well, you know, that's probably a good use of the money than if you just say, yeah, we're thinking about fixing roads, but we're not sure how.
1: So I can't help but notice as I look through the propositions, and we'll, we'll talk specifically about some of the the bigger ones, but uh, let me read you just the first three words of uh, of most of them. Number one, authorizes bonds, two. Number two, authorizes bonds. Number three, authorizes bonds. Number four, authorizes bonds. So in one of the highest tax states in the union, the first four are authorizing by borrowing more money to do what the state's supposed to do.
2: Yeah, that's very astute of you, Joe. It's interesting. You know, and bond measures... You know, they're really interesting uh, animals because when times are good and, you know, most of the poll shows that both Americans and specifically Californians think, wow, you know, what? Well, we're out of that big recession we had early in the decade, feeling pretty good about things. People just kind of, oh, well, Bonds, yeah, that's a good idea. All right, fine. You know – uh, some reason bonds don't seem to offend people as much as taxes do although I guess you're because people made are stupid. To be, people are have to stupid be made on these over 30 to 40 years every Look, year
0: you went to the Kennedy School of Government at Harvard I know you understand you believe this but it's wrong people are not capable of governing themselves the founding fathers were wrong. people are stupid that's the problem. That's right.
2: <laughs> well, Joe, Jack, as you well know, I don't wholeheartedly agree with that. But you know what? I, 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 always, I always hope for the best. But the thing about it is, and, and, Joe, your point is well taken, that each one of these four bond measures requires – none of these are revenue bonds. Was the, the, the payments for these are going to have to come out of the general fund. And so, you know, sort of pay me now or pay me later. They do go after, you know, the first two are about housing. That has been a big, big issue, as you guys know. I mean, you know, John Cox notably has been making that one of his big issues against Gavin Newsom in this campaign. You know, so, so the housing thing, water bonds, Prop 3, it seems like we get a water bond almost every other election cycle. And then this one about uh, children's hospitals is also interesting. These are, most of them are big, large, nonprofit children's hospitals, and they want to do upgrades and construction to expand. Them. Well, so, if they're popular
0: enough to pass, why wouldn't they go through the legislature through the normal process instead of through the prop process?
2: Well, bonding, bonding typically has to be approved by the voters, Jack. So. Uh, at some point, these are put, off frequently put on by the legislature, almost always are, but they need voter approval for the borrowing.
1: And the idea of paying as you go is just so utterly alien now to American politics, I feel silly even bringing it up. Gary Dietrich is online right now, nonpartisan political analyst, founder of citizenvoice.org, uh, which is a great website to, to click on. So um, you got your four bonds, and you got your fairly, well, fairly obscure uh, property tax issue in five. Six, we've talked about seven conforms daylight saving time to federal law allows legislature to change yes. daylight saving time period just get rid of standard time um that is six and seven are the rare example or rare exceptions to my rule to always vote no on these idiot propositions
2: well and prop says, i mean who would ever think you'd be voting to allow the legislature to change your clock time i mean it, only in California, it seems like, do, we, <laughs> do yeah. we have major ballot measures on daylight savings time. But here it is. I'm
0: not sure people know this is happening. Do you realize this is happening? Listeners out there, hello. It seems crazy. Well, do you know it? that we're, we're voting? We're going to be like Arizona, maybe, where we leave our clocks alone?
2: Well, this is important, guys, to, to note what this really does and does not do. It does not change daylight savings time. It allows the legislature to do so. Now, why the two step process, honestly, you know, seems crazy to most. But it, so if you vote yes or no, it's not going to change what we have now. But it does open the door for the legislature to do so. And all, there's been a debate in the legislature about whether they should do this or not. This they enables change it enables them to do so. And it also says, well, oh, one other thing, guys and gals downtown in Sacramento, it has to still conform with federal law. Thank you.
0: How much uh, leeway do they have? I mean, could they go to an eight, eight hour day, eight yes. hour clock?
2: Well, yes. I suppose they could just decide the whole day is only going to be four hours. Each hour is three hours long. Even, and, yeah. yeah. It'll
1: be very complicated. Right, exactly. Sleep in the daytime, rise at night like a vampire. It's all in there.
2: Gary Dietrich. <laughs> hey, Gary, uh, can we uh, hold on here for a couple more minutes? Yeah, we can. We ought to talk about the, ballot, the big hole in the ballot. Why is Prop 9 not on the ballot?
1: Whoa, wait a minute. All right, we'll talk about that when we come back with Gary Dietrich. Fiercely nonpartisan political analyst. We need more of that. Yeah, we try to bait him, and we can't get him to bite.
0: Coming up on the Armstrong and Getty Show.
1: Armstrong and Getty. The conscience of the nation.
2: The Armstrong and Getty Show.
0: Well, I'm looking through this. Um, It's 12 young people and why they probably won't vote. We were talking with Gary Dietrich about the uh, the election, particularly in California, but there's elections all over the place, including national. Um, this one young person, <clears throat> she's concerned she doesn't know enough on the issues to vote, even though she's read Cicero, Voltaire, studied Alexander Hamilton. Trust me, you know more than a lot of voters who are going to the poll. But anyway, Go that's why she's vote, not voting. This guy said, I didn't get uh, my stuff in on time. I missed the deadline for registering. This person says, I'm uh, a... <clears throat> I'm in another town than where I'm registered, and uh, I have absentee ballot, but I just I don't have stamps, and I didn't get around to it, and so there's a lot of that. Here's a, the Democratic Party doesn't really stand for the things I believe in anymore. They don't do anything. They only care about old people, so I'm not voting. It's mm. just interesting. I'm wondering what the turnout's going to be nationally or in California. Both set record lows last yeah. midterm.
2: Gary Dietrich of Citizen Voice, do you have any idea what turnout might be? You know, guys, right now they're anticipating much, much higher Turnout than the typical midterm. And One would hope. Races. I mean, uh, we had a we had a presidential race, unlike any in recent memory, just two years ago, and of course, it's gone nonstop. Guys, I have never seen two years since a presidential leading the midterm absolutely people fully engaged, and we see that by all the polls. You know, that's obviously disappointing when you get that anecdotal stuff, Jack, from young voters, and really, turnout, guys, is going to be the key. Uh, it's going to be the key to whether Democrats animate their base and retake the House. Uh, whether Republicans gain, pick up another couple of Senate seats. I mean, all around the country, including uh, fully on the West Coast, who gets their people to the polls in this midterm is really going to be the critical factor.
1: Okay, uh, you you good with that? Jack, okay, let's get back to our California propositions we're looking at. Uh, just real quickly, what's what's the deal with the 8? Uh, reg- regulate, regulates amounts outpatient kidney dialysis clinics charge for dialysis treatment. Yeah, I Why know. would the so state government is- be involved in that?
2: Yeah, this, this is, to me, sort of the first big foray into how much government regulation do people want about their health care system. This is very specific to what dialysis kid, uh, um, dialysis kidney treatment facilities can charge for their services. Who's person so is? is? You know, it's basically going to put caps and regulations on that. And, you know, I think there's some people that really believe, as you guys know, that healthcare is growing out of control, 15% annual increases for many people, and so government ought to be involved. Other people say this is going to be an absolute disaster if you start putting caps on these costs, you're going to shut down some clinics or limit the expansion of these services. All right, I don't so want to spend too much against.
1: time on it but I, and, and well described, but who's pushing it? Who's in favor?
2: Well, you've you've got people who are mainly advocates for lower-income people Uh who who say that these services cost too much and people are getting priced out of being able to use them. And then you've got a lot of folks on the other (laughs) side from the medical community who clearly don't want government regulation any further in their industry.
1: Okay, Prop 9. It was removed from the ballot by order of the California Supreme Court. What happened?
2: Well, remember, that was the Prop uh, financed by a Silicon Valley venture capitalist, they would have split California into three places, guys. Ah, right. And and the, and the U.S., I mean, the U.S., the state Supreme Court said, uh, one problem, that's not constitutional. You can't go about it that way. Stick something on the ballot. Ah, let's lop off LA and stuff. So that's why it was pulled off.
1: Uh, was the court right?
2: Ah, uh, well... You know what you got you got to ask somebody who's a bit more of a constitutional scholar than I am but but there is I think widespread agreement Joe that that's a much more complex issue uh, maybe even requiring federal approval in other words California might not have the authority to do that on its own
0: Two hot issues where you don't have any props on immigration or guns neither one of those right
2: uh, That's a good point no, no immigration. That that issue, both of those issues, guys, really see. While well, there was legislation on gun control that went through the California legislature recently, I think both those issues have become seriously nationalized, and that's why you're not really seeing the, the action at the state level right now.
1: On the other hand, the confinement of chickens is on the ballot. We'll get to that eventually. Prop 10 uh, expands local government's authority to enact rent control on residential properties. Um, and that's so, losing. Uh, yeah, it, the lo- losing last time I heard. What have you heard, Gary?
2: Yeah, well, that one—that one's important because it would completely throw the gates wide open. A yes vote means that localities around California could do anything they want on rent control. Right now there's caps on what they can do. So this has been a big debate. Actually, even people who are both on both sides in favor of low-income housing, some people think it's going to help poor people, other people think it's going to hurt them.
1: Well, I would tell you that it's pretty sound, soundly uh, substantiated economic uh, information that rent control helps a few people, but the expense of the many. It, it, it reduces supplies of, of rentable properties. It drives landlords out of the business. It's, one of, it's a great example of a progressive idea that sounds good, but when you implement it, it has much different, uh, you know, unintended consequences.
2: Yep, those are exactly the arguments of the opponents. Joe.
1: Right. But those who are in favor of it say, well, it holds down rent so poor folks can live somewhere. The rent is too damn
2: high. Right. And in places like San Francisco, as you guys well know, in particular, those kind of Bay Area communities, uh, rent's skyrocketing. Yeah. People have been really clamoring for some kind of solutions.
1: So, uh, Eleven, what the heck requires private sector emergency ambulance employees to remain on call during work breaks?
2: What? Who's, why, why is this on the ballot? All right. Well, it's on the ballot because, you know, there's very – I mean, California is one of the very strongest labor um, – let's just say they would consider themselves progressive labor states. So, you know, you have to give people breaks. I mean, paid breaks – I mean, everybody sort of knows that, right? Part of most every job. The thing about it is the people that drive ambulances, particularly in this case, it applies only to private sector ambulances and there are public sector ambulance companies too – they traditionally have not been, not been able to get paid breaks. I mean, you're on call, right? I mean, you're out there in the ambulance if, if you get a call, I don't care if you're eating a sandwich. You've got to go. This would enshrine the fact that they would not have to be paid, and they would have to remain on call even during their breaks. So basically what it's doing, guys, is setting aside California labor law for this particular class of employees.
1: Is there a rash of unanswered ambulance calls or people dying because guys are having their sandwich or what i'm just uh, well the thing i've never about heard now. of this issue in my life and i yeah, i'm a guy who it, reads the newspaper
2: yeah the thing about it now joe is most of these guys are already doing this this would basically codify that um and and the concern for ambulance companies you know uh, some people say yes some people say no look we pull out say a third of our or a quarter of our ambulance companies because these guys and gals are on break then we're not going to have the equipment and the people power uh when we need it so that's really what it boils down to, and. Um, You know, it's going to be interesting to see, again, another sort of elephant nose under the tent to see whether changing some of these California labor laws is going to be successful or not.
1: Gary Dietrich of Citizen Voice, nonpartisan political analyst. Go to citizenvoice.org, great website, to get informed.
0: can we all agree that if turnout is low we got to all shut up about politics. Right. If we're all talking about politics all the time, we don't turn up to vote. we got to shut up. we
3: got
2: to well, shut I up. I do think there's something to that, but good luck getting people to shut up because the day after next Tuesday, guys, the presidential race for 2020 starts in earnest.
0: And Hillary's
2: running!
1: Thanks, Gary. Great to talk to you, man. Okay, you too, guys.
4: What's coming up in your news, Marshall? Well, President Trump says he's going to use the power of the pen to wipe out birthright citizenships. New warnings about more mail bombs, and we have a new report by a federal inspector general about Russian malware infecting government computers. Bro, coming up.
0: Yep, we'll do all that next on the Armstrong and Getty show. What's the latest with Marsha Phillips?
4: All right, we're getting another update on this whole move to end birthright citizenship. It's just come down. Senator Lindsey Graham is planning to introduce a bill to end the so-called birthright citizenship. The South Carolina Republican making the announcement after President Trump vowed to try to end the practice through an executive order earlier trump had said he's going to try and sign that order to end the so-called birthright citizenship he was telling axios on hbo now how ridiculous we're the only country in the world where a person comes in has a baby and the baby is essentially a citizen of the united states for 85 years with all of those benefits it's ridiculous it's ridiculous and it has to end
1: sorry mr president we were talking to a constitutional expert a little earlier in the show you can grab the podcast it's hour three of the show um But he was saying it is utterly unclear how we evolved to the point where the 14th Amendment was interpreted to grant citizenship to anybody who stepped on U.S. soil for even a day when that was clearly not in the writers of the uh, amendments minds. And all of precedent and the few court cases involved have not supported that view of it. Right. But at some point in the mid 20th century, it just kind of evolved into that view. And it, it, it shouldn't be. It hasn't been. So now you got Lindsey weighing in as well. Maybe there'll be a
4: move in the uh, in Congress uh, to uh, try and end this. Meanwhile, you got law but enforcement.
0: And if they do it through Congress, yep. What do you have to do to overturn a, a rewrite an amendment or overturn
1: it? Well, it's, it's it's not a rewriting; it's an interpretation. Okay. Um, how that works precisely, I don't know. Well, but how it got interpreted the other way, right. Like I said, is mysterious. Uh, Doctor uh, Eastman, who we talked to. Thinks it might be something as simple as changing the ward of the wording on the uh, on an immigration form. Back in the '60s, the '50s, or the '60s, right. I think right? He said the '60s.
4: Law enforcement officials are not sure whether they have found the last of the pipe bombs that have been mailed out to prominent Democrats and other opponents of President Trump around the country. They are saying the packages were indeed staggered, and more could be somewhere in the U.S. mail system. What's more, the guy suspected of sending the bombs kept a list of over 100 apparent
1: targets. So there could be some more working their way through the uh, mail system. And I'm uh, sorry. Go ahead, more on. Uh, I was going to say, I want to go back to the 14th Amendment yep. thing, just uh, being guilty of being uh, too hip for the room or, or assuming too much. If you're not familiar with it, it was written. It was one of the Civil War amendments. It was written purely... To make sure everybody understood the freed slaves were citizens. No southern states could claim they're not citizens because they weren't born citizens. If they were born in the United States and fully under the jurisdiction of the United States, they are citizens. But the idea that a Chinese national could show up at LAX, pop a kid and fly back the next day, and that is a U.S. citizen, is absolutely counter to the point of the 14th Amendment. Well, it's not counter to it, but it has nothing to do with it.
4: The United States Department of the Interior's Inspector General has just released a report that has got a lot of people shaking their heads. It looks like one single employee is responsible for some big-time malware infecting the computer systems in the U.S. Geological Surveys Department. Government auditors traced a malware infection back to that one porn watching employee with the usgs the investigation found the employee saved a whole bunch of the material on his personal android cell phone as well that was connected to their computer against agency rules here in the government geological section the rocks ain't changing a lot today might as well watch
0: some porn
1: yeah so what's the effect i mean do we have like a uh, poor data on when geysers might go off or or what? Uh, apparently, apparently, the uh, malware infected
4: much of the computer system. They had to go in and they had to work to get it all cleaned out and cleaned up. The employee in question was reportedly told to stop watching porn at work. He was not fired or apparently officially of reprimanded. And just like in, in the private sector. He no, could no,
0: no, watch no. In the porn... private sector, you'd get fired immediately.
1: Exactly. He could watch porn, beat up his boss, squander millions of dollars yeah. of the taxpayer's money, and abuse veterans, and he would not be fired.
3: This employee had an extensive history of visiting sites for several years prior to detection. Right. Uh, the government-issued computer visited some 9,000 adult video sites. So he looked I didn't at know there were 9,000. <laughs> oh, yeah, at that's your scratch on the surface there. <laughs>
0: yeah. He looked at porn at work on the company computer for years, yeah. and you don't get fired. And right. brought in terrible malware. That's the government for you. Yeah.
4: One last note, boxing champ Mike Tyson's getting his own television show that's going to be based on his life as a marijuana farmer. What? It will be a scripted series.
1: It's called Mike Tyson Marijuana Farmer.
4: It's going to be a scripted series called Rolling with the Punches about a retired boxer who grows cannabis. The show's going to be filmed at Tyson Ranch, his 40-acre cannabis farm in El Segundo, California, and reportedly be similar to Larry David's comedy series,
1: Curb Your Enthusiasm. it doesn't sound that similar, but I'll have to check it out. (laughs) So it's going to be like ad libby semi-fiction i uh, yeah, scripted semi-fiction yeah loosely saying, based okay. in
3: truth he'll be kind of playing himself yeah. i'm
1: guessing yeah, yeah. A best in showish setting yeah. up uh, scenarios and uh, and improv right right with mike tyson
3: and wacky not neighbors the, <laughs> not the comedic genius larry david but with the former heavyweight champion of the world and convicted
1: rapist yes yes That's your news. I'm Marshall Phillips, the Armstrong and Getty Show, the conscience of the nation. On the other hand, when old Iron Mike had a fight, everybody watched. No doubt. As he'd walk into the ring without a robe or anything and storm across the ring, beat (laughs) down some poor son of a bitch, and then raise his hands in the air. We all think, that was great, but it was 40 seconds long.
0: (laughs) If he started to lose, he'd bite your ear off.
1: Right? Chew that sucker right
0: off. So conservative actor James Woods just tweeted a popular hashtag that has sprung up, Hillary in 2020, please, as Hillary Clinton <laughs> hinted that she's waiting till after the midterms to decide whether or not she's going to run. And I'm telling you what, I, if, if you're the Democratic Party and you see how excited the Republican Party is for that <gasps> notion, that There's should inform you right there. <laughs> oh, yeah, do it. Go ahead. Do, do it, it, it. Do it. <laughs> the petering out There's coming up next on the Armstrong and Getty Show. See, she don't get Armstrong and Getty.
1: The conscience of the, of, of the
2: nation.
3: So what is this about? We're, we're about to hear there, Sean. So this is a recording from somebody riding a passenger train in one of the Chinese cities where the social credit score is being tested. Gotcha. Ah,
1: that whole everything's under surveillance and you get the good person, bad person score and it follows you everywhere and affects your life. Yeah.
0: I wonder why it's in English, but so the idea is if you're riding without a ticket, that'll go against your your
1: score. Among other things. Yeah, yeah. the smoking in public, just kind of not following the rules of the train. Now, I am generally against totalitarianism and totalitarian regimes. On the other hand, if there were some repercussions for driving like an a-hole and (laughs) acting like a jerk in public and dropping F-bombs in line at McDonald's in in front of a bunch of little kids, boy, that idea is pretty appealing. God. That somebody would run up a score, and after a while, they would just end up in the gulag. Oh, runs up against my beliefs. But uh, it is appealing. So I've heard some interesting applications of what
3: the the different tiers of social credit would mean, and that there's certain, um, I don't know if these are actively in place or not, but the example that I heard was... Depending on your social credit score could limit the types of transportation you're allowed to use. So you have to have a good credit score in order to fly on an airplane, for example. If you don't have, if you have a bad social credit score, now that two-hour trip, you have to take the 14-hour, you know, bus
1: ride instead. Eventually you're riding a burrow. Yeah. Yeah,
0: Yeah, I could see how that would apply for everything. What restaurants you get to go to or all kinds of stuff.
1: See, I would be in favor of that if I got to decide. Yeah, that's the problem. What the standards are and what the violations were and how severely you'd be downgraded for each one of them. Uh-huh.
0: Failure to, you know, a lot of years would be grammar related. People oh. couldn't eat at the restaurant because they.
1: There would be a warning system. They use T H E R E in a text when they meant T H oh. E Y apostrophe oh. R. Don't toy with me. It's too <laughs> chilling. Yeah, the idea that criticizing the government would get you downgraded. So that I, I mean, obviously that's that's repugnant. Uh, speaking of repugnant, <coughs> that's completely unfair. Oh, that's right. I was going to do another China story. I'm sorry, um, China. Uh, the uh, thank Wa- you, WaPo. Thank you, Mr. President. The WaPo is reporting that one as yet unused or unwielded weapon. In the growing trade war between the United States and China. And it will, I believe, be a fairly brief trade war. It's more a, uh, a rough and tumble negotiation than a war. But it's, it's been going on for a while. Anyway, uh, but the unused weapon thus far is, is Chinese tourism. Chinese consumers spend $60 billion a year on travel and tourism in the United States. And they've seen that decline. 102,000 fewer Chinese people received business, leisure, and educational visas from May through September of this year. That's the season. Compared with the same period last year, that is a 13% drop. Not devastating, but significant. Chinese airline reservations to U.S. destinations dropped 42% for the first week of October. A national holiday that normally means increased outbound trips. Wonder what the holiday is? I don't know. China Day? Chairman Mao's birthday. The Wall Day. The invention of Fortune Cookies Day. I don't know. Probably not Columbus Day. Pro- almost certainly not. Although, wasn't he trying to get to India? Yeah. Yeah. That's why they're uh, Indians, right? Yeah, that's right, of course. Silly me. Uh, unlike merchandise trade, for which President Trump often complains about large deficit with China, the United States enjoys a sizable service surplus uh, with China. You know, i tell you what, uh, there are a growing number of stories, partly because it makes Trump look bad, and so the mainstream media is hungry to report them. But the whole steel tariff thing and the aluminum tariff, that it's hurting more businesses than it's helping, uh, I'm I'm getting the idea that that's probably true. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. I mean, because there are, I mean, the Mexican steel... There are tariffs now on Mexican steel, and they're shutting down nail plants in Missouri. That one plant's getting a lot of attention, which tells me that there may not be that many examples, but I heard it suggested that for every job it's saved, it's costed four now in the United States. I'd like to see that substantiated, but if that's true, it's probably not a great idea.
0: So a week from tomorrow, the 2020 presidential election will be the only talk in politics. Oh, Lord. Hillary was asked, uh, will you run in 2020? And she said, I'll make my decision after the midterms, which is yes, I'm considering it. Does Hillary run or not? Sean.
3: She's going to try. I don't think she gets it to where she's actually but on so, yes. any sort of debate stage.
0: Michael, do you think she runs or not?
3: Um, I think she
4: does.
0: Well, I think she doesn't, but my uh, Marshall, you think she runs or not?
1: I don't think so. Yeah, I, I don't think, think so. so. I think I think this is just a little tease, tease, tease. I think by the time she gets through the uh, opinion leaders and fundraisers of the Democrat yeah. Party trying to get their temperature, she'll decide not to.
0: Yeah, she threw this out there to see how what the reaction would yeah. be. It hasn't been good. And then, like Joe said, when you start talking to the real power brokers
3: and money otherwise and they're cool to it, yeah. Yeah, as soon as she realizes that she no longer has the full force of the DNC wins in her sales, I don't think she's going to have the, the desire
1: to, to go through the process again. The fix was in completely last time around, and she got the nomination. And, and it wasn't easy. It wasn't easy to get the nomination even with the fix in, right? Right. Then she lost to the guy from The Apprentice, although she did win the popular vote. And Meatloaf? got. No, the other guy, the host guy, what's oh. his name? Trump. Wow. Um, and uh, and you know she she won. We got more votes than anybody else because of population growth, mostly. But, um, you know it's not a an, it's not an insane idea. People have won no. their second. She's time younger
0: through. than Donald Trump. Yeah, she's four years younger than Joe Biden, who's everybody's yeah. talking about.
1: She got sixty-five million votes. Right. It is not an insane idea. It is a bad idea. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah.
0: But if she decides not to, if you know, she gets on the phone with Soros or whoever and they all say, You know, we're kinda of putting our money somewhere else, that's gonna be painful and she realizes the dream is over. Because it's over, 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 over if she doesn't run this time.
1: Celinda so Lake, veteran pollster, who enthusiastically backed Hillary two years ago, asked, Should she run? I don't think that would be a good idea. She there, responded. There you go. Your host Joe Getty. I like that song. It's awfully
4: short. Marshall Phillips, what's your final thought for us? Well, I got to tell you, a little tension around the Phillips household when I told one lady friend I wasn't going to see her for Christmas because I'm going to Woodstock, New York, to
1: be with another lady friend. Oh, so sorry. Yeah. You can only be in one place at once, Marshall. Uh, Positive Sean, do you have a final thought? It's like a veritable Freeze Company episode?
3: How about that? <laughs> yes. uh, uh, yeah, new South Park episode tomorrow. I got nothing.
1: That's all I got. Good
3: one.
4: I'll check that's, that out. that's good enough. Hey, yeah.
1: Michelangelo, do you have a final thought? Yeah,
4: I'll just say if Trump runs again and Hillary runs again and some of the other uh, same candidates run again, it will be the most profane and angry presidential <laughs> debates ever on think, TV. Yeah, no doubt about yeah.
1: it. Profane and angry are original air names. That was a controversial show. Jack, do you have a final thought you'd like to share with us? When
0: I get past this cold, I'm going to wash my hands every five minutes and live in a bub- bubble so that I never get one ever again. <laughs> I cannot have another
1: cold ever again in my life. They suck. They suck hard. They suck out loud. Uh, My final thought is, uh, uh, our incredibly odd president is keeping so many campaign promises, it's amazing. Nobody thought he would actually look into, in a serious way, the birthright citizenship thing. But here we are. Where this one goes is going to be really interesting to follow. I'll meet you at the Supreme Court. You think? Yeah. Where they may well vote in favor of it, or... Insist that the legislature make it clear what we want it to mean—the the Fourteenth Amendment to mean—because
0: it's not clear at all. Depends on how hammered Kavanaugh is while he's listening to oral arguments. Oh, for God's sake, <laughs> shows
1: up with a twelve pack. Exactly. He likes beer. He likes beer.
0: Out of control. I like beer. <laughs> if you didn't hear our interview with Stanley McChrystal, I thought it was pretty interesting. Maybe grab that off the podcast. You know what we charge for the podcast? Nothing. You know why? Because we're stupid. Because
1: we're stupid. Armstrong and Getty wrapping up another grueling four-hour workday. So many people who thanks so little time. Go to armstrongandgetty.com. You can drop us an email if you want. Mailbag at armstrongandgetty.com. If there's something we ought to be talking about, send it along. Or if you want to comment, go ahead. We
0: will uh, see you tomorrow. Where are the Warriors playing? i got to start watching the schedule because they, they've got to try to lay 200 on somebody. They're playing the
1: New Jersey Generals.
0: <laughs> see you tomorrow. God bless America.
4: And we really hope you forgive us
3: for what we've done.
1: Thank you, and good night.
4: <laughs> and the show's over. What? Bye-bye. Well, I'd like to be president.
1: Armstrong and Getty, the voice of the West.